Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Tonight, we have two guests, actually. The first one is Abby Abildness from Pennsylvania. Are you ever going to enjoy her? What she's going to talk about is how government is supposed to work based on God's plan. Pretty strong uh, statement to make. How, how God ordained government to function. You need to be equipped on this one. This is really uh, special, quite unique. Then we're going to go to a young woman named Bethany, and she's going to give us a quick overview of the pro-life situation. She can give us a report from what happened in the pro-life march in Washington, D.C. Uh, just a few days ago. But let's go to Abby, first of all. Abby is a mover and shaker in the state of Pennsylvania. She's the go-to person I, I talk to anytime I want to know what's happening there. Abby, take the first minute or two and give your personal history about you, and then talk to us about this pretty amazing claim you make. This is how God intended government to actually function. Abby? Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Garlow. This is a thrill for me to be able to share from Penn's vision, because uh, it's for the holy governance that from a vision that he got from God uh, when he was at Oxford University, he literally had had a an encounter where God spoke to him. A light came into the room and he heard a voice speak to him from Isaiah 45. Interesting. You'll know that from uh, Cyrus. And he he heard, he shall build my city and set my captives free. And, and so speaking, from, you said Penn, but you're speaking of William Penn. William Penn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Founder of Pennsylvania. And so this started him on writing about holy, the holy seat of a nation, the holy governance. And probably this stirred me. I I've been praying with our legislators uh, for probably 20 years in our capital. And then I noticed the things on the walls of the capital and realized there's over 60 scriptures on the wall. There's, there is a history and a destiny of of our nation and of the nations and you'll hear more about that uh after we see the the uh trailer of the documentary that we'll talk about here tonight and this documentary god gave me a just a vision to tell the story first in tours in the capital and then with this documentary and the documentary is called pen seed the awakening because it's something that was planted in the 1600s, 1682, and it's now being awakened more fully today, uh, even as we speak. So I pray that the awakening happens in all of our hearts and the hearts of the leaders of our nations, as, as you see just a brief a brief view from the trailer of it and see how far reaching it has gone. Once in a hundred lifetimes, someone steps onto the scene and changes the course of human history. There's something about the fact that he's up there on City Hall, and yet he's a figure no one knows well. 
there would be no liberty as we know it if it weren't for people like William Penn who are shaped by the biblical ideal that men and women are made in the image of God. When he was at Oxford University, a light came into the room and he heard a voice that he believed was God speaking to him. And the voice said, he shall build my city and he shall set my captives free. Penn's experience led him to see what was really needed was a safe haven for people. So Pennsylvania was not just another colony. William Penn said that God might make this a seed of a nation, and he really meant the seed of world peace. They were so amazed that Penn got this vision from God and saying, that's what we want to follow. I truly believe that William Penn knew that we were indigenous to this land, that we were here first, and he respected our people for our knowledge of how we live. I think William Penn still inspires us to understand the real significance of what it takes to make peace. And in that, he was way ahead of his time. You're, you're the producer of that film, right? Yes, executive producer. That's right. Well, that, boy, what a little bit I've seen there. That is impressive. So tell us, this is quite a, this is quite a state. Actually, the first capital was in your state, correct? That's right. And That's so right. Tell, us, tell us, God's vision, they stirred in William Penn in terms, we're all about biblical governance. That's what well-versed is. And you're telling us that through William Penn, God gave a vision for how government is supposed to function. And he was so relevant, he addresses all the current issues, even to the point, as I understand it, you even have people from Muslim countries who have come to you asking you to instruct them how government should be. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself in the story, but let's go back and give us, give us an understanding of who William Penn is and what he was advocating. Yes, well, William Penn was, he was a son of Admiral William Penn, who was uh, the, a close friend of King Charles II. And this is in the 1600s. Uh, this is, it's about 1660 that uh, the son, William Penn, gets this vision from God. And this is actually when I do tours of our capital and they see the picture of him getting this vision from God. This is when even international leaders from actually the Knesset and from, uh, from uh, the Middle East, from different nations have come to see this and they literally will pat their hearts when they see, oh, this vision came from God. This is the kind of governance that I wanna follow in my nation. And so uh, there's been a real affinity uh, with other nations, with what Penn had planted. So when Penn got, after he got his vision, and then when he, he started going to the streets, and it was actually with Quakers were in the streets uh, preaching, because they didn't have, they didn't have uh, places of worship yet, they were out on the streets to, to preach, he joined with them. And there was actually a, a verse that came out, and it was from Joel 2, 
that your uh, old men will dream dreams, your young men will have visions, and um, that that this time of the spirit of the living God would be would be pouring out, and that was happening in England in the streets, but that wasn't happening by the king and his governance. And so the king tried to get them off the streets. They found different ways to actually imprison them. Uh, Penn was imprisoned six times with many of his colleagues of believers of, of different faiths. And so they're sitting in prison together and they Penn just started writing about the God just kept giving him revelation on how government should be. Remember the word was, he shall build my city and set my captives free. Turns out that they were religious freedom captives in prison for as prisoners of conscience. And so he just sat in prison. He ended up writing a book in prison called No Cross, No Crown. And that the essence of that book was you you should not you should not be ruling with the crown unless you go by the humble way of the cross because the, the people of the crown were dominating the people, they were controlling the people and the way of the cross, he was saying, is to serve, to be humble and to serve the needs of the people. And so uh, he ended up that it was such a bad atmosphere for people of faith uh, that they he ended up, his father passed away, his father had given um, a lot of funds to King Charles. Now King Charles owes this to young Penn. He doesn't want to give him the money back. He doesn't want to give him any more power. He already had too much power. So they came up with an with a great idea that Penn thought was great. They'll give him land instead. He'll give him land across the ocean, away from England, and there he'll be able to, to build this governance that was his model of what it should be that he had developed uh, with all the revelation he was getting. And so uh, he gets this land grant and the king says, this, you're going to need a whole army to protect you because there's natives in that land and they massacre the British. And Penn said, no, they're not the, they're not the savages. They're, the, they're just trying to protect themselves because the British are killing them to take their land. And he said, I'm going to, his big quote is, let's see what love will do. And he had a vision of brotherly love in your heart, that that is what needed to happen between uh, between the different people groups. And so uh, when he was on the ship coming over to this land that he considered his promised land, he, he had a prophecy that he wrote about what it would be. It's in our capital rotunda. And it says, my God will make it. This would be Pennsylvania. The holy experiment, the holy example for the nations want a precedent that we would do the thing that is wise and just. And so he's told that to the, uh, the British and he said, everybody come. He invited all different persecuted people, including the, the Jews. Uh, the Jews came to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love that he established to be the founding, the capital of his colony, which you know became the birthplace of the American government. And so, uh, 
I just want to read it. He wrote, he did a peace treaty with the natives. It's brief. I just want to read what he said to them in this peace treaty, because it was his model of how we should live peaceably between the nations. He said, we meet on the broad pathway of faith and goodwill. No advantage shall be taken on either side, but all shall be openness and love. We're the same as if one man's body was to be divided into two parts. We are of one flesh and one blood. And then the chief Lenape chief, the native chief. So it was Brit, it was European leaders and then native leaders. The Lenape chief responded back. We will live in love with William Penn and his children as long as the creeks and rivers run. And while the sun, moon and stars endure, how beautiful and praiseworthy when the children come together in power and love. And so this was his model of brotherly love. You'll see this in our U.S. Capitol. They know that this was the first peace treaty and it was between Penn and the natives. So Penn already wrote, also wrote how he would be the first governor and how he would, uh, he wrote the branches of government. He actually wrote the civil government uh, in how it should be. And it's so beautiful when he wrote the, first preamble of the first constitution, which was going to be the constitution of Pennsylvania, he started out saying that man was created to have dominion in the earth. And man was created to have God's dominion in his heart. And if he had that, he would have the love of God and dwell peaceably with others. But since not all men carry that in their hearts, I'm paraphrasing his words, uh, then we have to have government because government will make them behave. It's actually for the, the government is established in a sense for the sinner, the ones that won't live righteously towards each other. And so uh, so the government needed to, needed to enforce. So he said, government is the means of justice. And that's in the front of our Pennsylvania Senate, right where the, uh, the Lieutenant governor presides it says, government is the means of justice. Justice is the means of peace. And so that's why he did his first model of governance. And just one interesting thing, uh, he said that when they selected the governing leaders, he had 72 members that would come together in the branches of government to keep himself as the governor in check uh, and to keep all governors, all leaders in check. And he said they had to be had to be people of virtue. They had to be virtuous people that they would select. They would had to be people that that would have God's uh, wisdom in their hearts. And so Pennsylvania's flag has our motto: "It is for virtue, for liberty and independence." And so you may not know that um, when. He wrote his his uh, first frame then of of how we should live in the first uh, Pennsylvania Constitution. Then that was used after they did. It was called the Charter of Privileges. That was in 1701. Then in 1751, the Liberty Bell was cast to be to be uh, the message of jubilee from his, from what Penn had planted for the freedom in from the government 
And then on the Liberty Bell, you probably know it has it has a scripture from from uh, Leviticus that we should proclaim liberty throughout all the land. So when when Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were consulting uh, Penn's writings to to write the U.S. Constitution, they consulted with the Iroquois Confederacy. They looked at what is the way that we should have. Uh, this unity. So Penn's vision then went into, into we need to have unity of the colonies, the 13 colonies. He, he wrote uh, that vision. Then he wrote a vision for uh, world peace. And so he had this vision. It was, it would, Pennsylvania would be the holy seed example, but it would happen in the world and so you probably didn't realize it, but in that trailer, you saw a, an administrative leader of the Euro European UN that says in our, in our film, he says, we need to revisit how Penn planted it because we're not living even in the UN with the way that it was originally written to have a parliament of nations that the nations wouldn't have. And the reason that he kept doing these uh, parliaments would be that we needed to keep the different leaders in check. So we needed to not have one dominating tyrannical leader. We needed to have them meet and he wrote it out. You, you meet in a circle and, and no one is controlling the leadership. They are, they're having dialogue. They're having peace and understanding as they're developing this. And so uh, there's paintings in our capital that show the the story of the history and the destiny of what planet Ben planted that the destiny would be world peace and unity, but it would be by the spirit of the living God, not by anything tyrannical um, in the way that the government leaders would would reign. So I'm talking a lot. Maybe you want to interject a question here as I'm going. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. This is so interesting. This is phenomenal. My sister warned me how great you were going to be. And you <laughs> certainly are. I, I'm jogging. I'm trying to jog my memory of the 13 colonies. Almost all of them had an established religion. Uh, I, 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 it seems to me Rhode Island did not. But Pennsylvania uh, did not. Pennsylvania welcomed everybody. I want to ask the question well, of religious, religious tolerance, religious liberty, because as now, you grew up in Pennsylvania, I presume. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I grew up in the Midwest. And so when I first started crossing uh, Pennsylvania and started studying this, I was blown away by the patchwork. Unlike any other colony, the patchwork of, of clusters of religious groups. Uh, this one from Germany. This one from Sweden. This one from Norway. This one uh, all over. It was an unusual collection, a mosaic of people of all religious persuasions. Unlike any other colony, now, it seems to me Rhode Island had religious uh, freedom. I, get, I think it did, but uh, all, the, all the rest of them, I believe, had an established official religion, uh, whether it was in Maryland, like the Catholics, or the Congregational in one, et cetera. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the religious liberty, because back in that time, we, we assume religious liberty is normative. We don't realize that that's, that was not existent. A state had to be all Catholic or all Protestant or all Reformationist or all, et cetera. You didn't have an option to, to live how you wanted. So how did he envision that? How did he get that to 
to work in the minds of people and then to get along the way they did across Pennsylvania. Help us understand that. Okay, well, he actually believed that there was the, a divine law of love. And that was, you know, to love God and love one another. And that that love would draw people in and take care of people. He was clearly a Christian believer. He clearly got all his ideas from scriptures in the word. But what he believed is, no one should be persecuted for what they believe. No one should be imprisoned for what they believe. But he he clearly was going by uh, the teachings of Jesus in how he established this. So Pennsylvania and the 13 colonies, you know, is the keystone state. And if you know, in, in a keystone at the top of an arch in a building, but also in the top of the arch of the 13 colonies, is the one that holds it all together. It's like the head that leads it. And so he wrote in what he wrote in the in the uh, preamble of Pennsylvania uh, in our constitution, you'll see those words in, in all the colonies and all the states and nations, you'll see the words about the creator God, the almighty God. You'll see words that you can tell right away who they serve in a sense. And so that hit, that faith was spread. It's not just a holy seed of a nation, but it had that influence as a spiritual leadership uh, over the nations and even over uh, as, as George Washington and, and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, they, they said, Thomas Jefferson, as they were writing the constitution, said he that Penn was the greatest lawgiver of all time, that he had the vision that they needed to follow. And there, there was some just a, a beautiful quick story that when Ben Franklin was call, consulting with the Iroquois Confederacy, trying to see how to put all this together, uh, he's talking to the Indians and they gave him an arrow. I don't know if you've heard this story, but they gave him an arrow and then they took it back and they broke the arrow. And he's like, what kind of a gift is that? What am I going to do with a broken arrow? So then they gave him 13 arrows in a cluster. And you'll this is in our U.S. seal for uh, the presidency, for our, you know, all the seal that they put on all the divisions of government. You'll see the cluster of the 13 arrows. And, and they gave that back to um, Ben Franklin. And they said, here's 13, 13 arrows see if you can break that. And their point was, if you unite together, then you'll have the protection uh, of, of the coming together, the power of the unity of, of the colonies and then the states and then the parliaments of nations coming together is, is a power of, of protection and uh, defense, but it's also the power, if he would take one thing that would be the 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 whole divine part of it all. It's it's the divine law of the love of God in your hearts. Uh, give us, if you would, a timeline. Uh, what year he was born? What year he died? Uh, what year he arrived here? What year he became governor? How long he was governor? And and then the second part of my question is, I'm I'm wondering if a real key in the success in Pennsylvania. And that patchwork of religious communities 
uh, even the names of the communities, the towns across Pennsylvania would tell you what group they belong to. And these were, my, my, my studies were in church history, so I was fascinated by many of the towns identify with groups that are not well known to us. They're small clusters. Of people. Probably the one thing they all had in common, they were all fleeing persecution from their respective country, I would think. Well, that's right, because he, when he got the land of Pennsylvania, he went all around Europe and he invited all different uh, persecuted people to come to the land. And he said that Pennsylvania will be a safe haven for you all. And so you will see names of different, uh, you'll see names of different uh, places in in England, you'll see those names in Pennsylvania, and you'll see them of different native groups. But I guess when you when you said about the different faiths, we we interviewed uh, a rabbi in Philadelphia that that he said we came because Penn invited us, and he he had his his uh, Jewish synagogue, and then very nearby was Christ Church, a church a Christian church, and those two knew that they came, but they both came because Penn invited them both. And so they would help each other in hard times. And we talked to the rabbi after the Tree of Life massacre uh, in Pittsburgh, and that rabbi said, you know who was the first one to come help us? It was the Christians of the, of the Christ church that also Penn had planted. So, so there's a uh, helping each other, honoring each other, um, even happening around Philadelphia, across our state, you'll see that that's how it was established. And that's the, that's the seed awakening today in our hearts that would be for world peace and unity. And I, I guess I just want to just really be clear when people say, well, we don't believe in the UN. We don't believe that's godly. Well, the, the root of it when, when Penn wrote the first parliament of states, the root of it was godly, and it was that they would interact between uh, the different, the different uh, nations or states, they called them, that they would interact with godly principles. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at the history of various organizations, the European Union, for example, which is veered off course of its founding. It was founded by three men built on the Christian understanding of forgiveness and healing after World right. War II, where they were all killing each other. Yeah. And the European Union came together, we are going to forgive the Germans. Uh, yes. the and, the German, and, and that's that was what built, you can read the history uh, on this. The United Nations uh, was a, a bit of a combination of its founding, but its, its, its fundamental principles, its universal principles, were so overtly Christian that people later objected so that's way too right. Christian. Now we right. certainly are aware how the United Nations has veered off course as well. Uh, so right. give us that. Give us that timeline. Yeah. Of okay. Life. Okay. So he lived 1644 to 1718. He got his uh, seal of divinity uh, around the 16 in the 1660s while he was at at Christ Church. He was studying to be a political leader because his father sent him there to get that. But then he had this vision from God. That changed everything. Then he did. He started being known for his political writings and No Cross, No Crown in the 1670s. Then he was imprisoned, I told you. Uh, then 1681, 
he gets the land grant for Pennsylvania, then uh, 16 and does the model of it in Philadelphia, establishes that interestingly Philadelphia to be after the Church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation. Then 1687, he proposes the plan for the unity of the colonies under a representative Congress. 1693, he does the essay towards the present and future uh, peace of Europe, which becomes the Parliament of Nations. 1701, he writes Pen Pennsylvania's Charter of Privileges. 1751, the Liberty Bell Jubilee. <laughs> 1775, Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson are consulting the writings. Then 1902, uh, Violet Oakley gets commissioned to do the paintings to tell the whole story. It takes her 25 years to complete that. And when she completes it, she makes a book of all the paintings uh, called The Holy Experiment. And she that's when the League of Nations is opening. She took that book to the League of Nations opening and she said, here's the history of your League of Nations, how it was, how it was intended to be from the vision from God that William Penn got. And when he called it a holy experiment in Europe, what a holy experiment meant was if you weren't in agreement with how the, the government was ruling, then you would build a community uh, near the government that you would see how they are, um, you, you would be a model, you would become a model and they called it a holy experiment you would be a model of how governance should be and hope that the government leaders would see that and say, wait a minute, we like how that's operating. We should follow that. So Penn was establishing that model in Philadelphia for 75 years. It did really well as a holy model. And then uh, corrupt next generations did things that uh, it now is being restored now what it really was intended to be. Let's see, Mr. Christchurch. Christchurch refers to one of the sub-colleges of Oxford University. That's right. Uh, and then if you were League of Nations, that's the precursor to the United Nations. And right. League of Nations kind of fell apart in a sense, and the United States, the United Nations was formed <clears throat> and started uh, started all over the kind of the process. I, I'm intrigued by, it, it would seem to me, uh, you've probably given a lot of thought to this. This what Penn proposed works so long as the people have the presupposition that you said world peace by the spirit of God. And you, you said he's the greatest lawgiver of all time, yet he was drawing from the greatest lawgiver of all time, God himself. Right. <laughs> and so it presumes the, the, the worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the God of Ishmael. It doesn't work so well it seems to me, once you get away from the distinct Judeo-Christian value structure, do you want to comment on that in our highly secularized culture in which we find ourselves today? Doesn't don't we have to go kind of back and, and bow at the at, at the bow before a holy and just God as a presupposition to making this work? Yes, and that's what Penn in his first frame of government. It would work better if we followed his first frame of government because he said that the, the ones that would, would be leading in the government 
they would be ones I, I mentioned with virtue, they would be ones that would hear and heed the voice of the Lord. So the leaders in the government had that heart. And then, then they would be leading the people to dwell peaceably. And as much as they had the, the divine love of God in their heart, it worked. If they didn't, then they had to enforce justice in, in those people. And so think about it. If we had all of our leaders, if we, if we put leaders in position that really had that virtue and that heart of God in their hearts, how would it work then? We wouldn't have all this divisiveness in the leaders of our nations. And insanity that comes with it. So we hope right. please give us a real prayer. prayer basically, we, we obviously pray for a revival to break out. <clears throat> but with the revival, we must have reformation. Because Penn, what he gave was right. a pattern. Now, what uh, Abby said a few moments ago, what's amazing about William Penn, he was way ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. understanding you understand in europe you didn't have different people in the same communities worshiping different ways i think it's called the durkheim thesis and i remember right they had to have the exact same values to function in a state and by those same values that meant the same religious values and so that's why either the country was all catholic or all protestant and they're all killing each other uh based upon that and so what william penn came to the conclusion is people under the anointing of the holy spirit could actually live in peace with each other if they were walking by biblical principles. What more do you want to share? And then I want to ask you about your website, a book, and the film. But what do you want to share more on William Penn himself that we may not have covered? Well, I would just say, well, he was a Quaker. Uh, and and the Quakers then, you know, were known as Quakers because they literally shook under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And then the way that they had their uh, meetings the only person, the only person that got up to preach was the one that actually was quaking under the spirit of God and had God's words. <laughs> if if it was just somebody that was making up a sermon, they didn't want to hear that. They only wanted to hear it directly from God. So I guess I just want to say if Penn's way would be by the, the spirit of the living God, the heart of the living God in the people, that would be the way that would succeed. And I think people today... We're seeing a lot of people, including all through the Middle East, coming to know the true God because he's he's demonstrating himself to them. And that will make that happen. The early Quaker churches, folks, were not built for all these pews face the pulpit. They were built around in a square. So all That's the people right. faced each other. That's right. And um, when I moved to Princeton, New Jersey and went to Princeton Theological Seminary, my wife and I went to a Quaker church for the first time. It was it had been established in the 1600s or something. I mean, it was, it was old, 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 old building. And so we walked in. I didn't know what to expect. And we were just like a, all the pews were against every, all four walls facing towards the center. It was a square. Mm -hmm. And it, it gave they gave us a little piece of paper to read before we came in and said, now you may be uncomfortable with this because it's going to be silent for a long time until somebody feels they have a message. Now, the original group, they would they would quake or shake. Now, there was another group called the Shakers. Don't confuse, that's another group. But right. the Quakers, they would quake under the Holy Spirit, and one would get up and deliver the message. Now, with the passage of time, every denomination, unfortunately, uh, becomes more liberal. And this particular group that we were with, unknown to me, was a very liberal group of Quakers. And so we sat there. I was very uncomfortable. We sat there in silence for maybe 
at least 45 minutes. And then somebody got up and they thought they had something to say, but they got in an argument on ecology and environmentalism. So that one was not, that was not typical. What is hey. typical is they would wait till the Holy Spirit spoke to one of them. And then that man or woman would get up and deliver that message. They were highly egalitarian, uh, men and women. Uh, they were they were they were opposed to slavery, uh, and so this is quite a model. You need to understand what we're talking about is something not only so ahead of its time, but as Abby well knows, and why she's beating this drum so hard, is this is the biblical governance model, the things he wrote that could be a guide to us. Now, having said that, you may not be able to say the country, but one of the countries. It's it's not a Christian country. It's actually a Muslim country. But these leaders in this particular arena of the world, area of the world, have come seeking your help on what to do. Now, I'm not asking you to name the country because I want to be respectful of any privacy issues there. But am, am I correct? You've had people seek you out. How is government supposed to function? And they've asked you right. to teach them based on William Penn's model. Right. And they, they had an understanding, they wanted to know government under God. If God gave a vision for this, that's the government we want. We don't want a government made by man, they said. We want a government the way that God intended. And that the same thing was uh, Knesset members that came, same thing. We want the model. It's, it's just interesting, different faiths that they all really want to know what what the true God is is showing. And so this first frame of government that Penn wrote is the one that that I would pick. Once he did the he did the um, the branches of government to keep himself in check and then the the House of Representatives watered down a little bit of this the spirit of it, you know, so to just to go back to the pure, seed the awakening of the pure seed that's my prayer is that that gets in the hearts of all people uh in in government and in all sectors of society that it's really by the living god in us that spreads the way that god created us to be and it, it lasted about 75 years before it was this model was adequately corrupted to take it off course yeah, pride, <laughs> pride of the next generation uh, wanting to do uh, steel land. Uh, and this all this, you'll see very interesting stories, true stories in, in the film. Uh, you'll see this. Uh, okay, one the, film. the film, tell me, do you have a website? Uh, you may have a book that I don't know about. And do you have yeah. a, do you have a, um, where, where can they watch the film? They can watch the film. You can go to our uh, Healing Tree International website, healingtreeinternational.com, and you can link to it there. You can go to, there's a there's a website just for the film, and that's called Pens Awakening. So it's pensawakening.com. You can go to uh, Redeem TV, and that was a partner of ours, Redeem TV, uh, then you can get the link there to watch it for free, uh, or you can buy it on visionvideo.com, uh, whichever way you want to do it. And just the interesting thing about the timing, it took us over five years to do this film. 
And I kept saying, God, why is this taking so long? I feel this is so important. It has to come out. He said, it'll come out when it's the right time of the message, when the world will listen, the world will need to hear it and they'll be ready to hear it. Do you know when it came out? It came out, uh, we were gonna have it come out October 14th, Penn's birthday, it came out October 7th, the day that Israel was attacked. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. Okay, so HealingTreeInternational.com, right. RedeemTV.com, right. uh, they can watch it for free. And if they want to get materials on all of this, your website has, I presume, a lot of materials on this topic? It has links to it. If I was going to pick one book um, written by Penn, it's The Great Challenge, No Cross, No Crown. You can see he wrote it from behind bars from while in prison. Uh, and it's it's really an amazing five-fold story. He would have been an apostle uh, and uh, how how he wrote all of this while he was in prison, experiencing the the uh, persecution for his faith and with all his fellow people. So yes, that that resource then pens awakening.com is is, the one that is just, if you want to learn all about the film, who all who, who all's in it, um, different stories from it. And then there's a Facebook page also, pensawakening.com. Is it theawakening.com or pensawakening.com? Pensawakening. Pensawakening.com. Yes. Abby, it's always a joy to talk with you. Abby and her husband are kind of omnipresent. Everywhere I go, I see them. <laughs> They're kind of everywhere. They run in our circles and we love and respect and honor them. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.